because we believe not one person, not one child should ever wake up or go to bed hungry. Because more opportunities earlier create stronger foundations later. Today on Because Radio, Sandy Soto Spiritual Center provides culturally oriented land-based retreats for Indigenous parents working to reunite with their children. We visit the Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame in Morden on a road trip. This week's Winnipeg impact maker, We Heart Winnipeg, promotes local. And we'll have a preview of the latest episode of Because and Effect featuring Mark Chipman, chairman of True North Sports and Entertainment. All this and more on Because Radio. Hello and welcome to Because Radio. It is episode number 12. My name is Robert Zirk. And I'm Sunny Promolo. So Sunny, it's, uh, we've had a little bit of a change in weather lately. We've finally gotten quite a bit of rain and, and what an amount of rain we've had over the past couple days. We definitely did, but you know what? I feel like we needed it. A lot of uh, the foundations in a lot of people's homes were drying out and hopefully this will kind of balance everything out. I'm sure there are many, many a garden here in the city with plants that are very, very happy to have the extra water after some really, really hot days. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I know it'll save me a little bit on watering my lawn, so definitely. So to start things off today on Because Radio, our foundation feature focuses on children, youth, and families. We're continuing our coverage of projects supporting reconciliation in our community, and producer Jeremy Morantz will be speaking with Marcus Rempel of the Sandy Soto Spiritual Centre to learn a little bit more about their culturally-oriented land-based retreats with the goal of helping reunify Indigenous families, and uh, that's a project that they are taking on in partnership with Mama Wichita Centre. This week's foundation feature on Because Radio focuses on children, youth, and families. My name is Jeremy Morantz. I'm here with Marcus Rempel, the program coordinator uh, for a special project we'll be talking about soon with Sandy Soto Spiritual Center. Marcus, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, very glad to. So why don't we start off before we get into the uh, project that you're directly coordinating. So what is Sandy Soto Spiritual Center? Uh, what do you, What do they do? What's it all about? So the, the origin story for this place is, um, it used to be called the Dr. Jesse Soto Resource Center. Some folks might know it by that name. Uh, there was uh, a United Church uh, woman and, and uh, church leader, uh, in Saskatchewan, who had a vision for creating a place where Indigenous leaders in the United Church would uh, be trained up for leadership in the church uh, with uh, in, in a place where both biblical teachings and the traditional teachings would be held hand in hand and, and taught side by side. Um, and that, that theological school continues. Um, there are theological students uh, here from mostly the United Church, although from other uh, denominations as well. Uh, they're here for uh, two weeks at a time, four times a year. Um, but of course, that leaves the center open for, for other things. And so it's become a, a place of retreat. Um, it gets booked by a lot of uh, 
uh, indigenous and other um, organizations for for staff retreats and so on. Uh, and it's also a place of uh, cu- cross-cultural education. So, um, you know, this week there was uh, a school group here uh, came to have a, a sweat and some some teachings with an elder. And uh, and then there's a uh, an Aboriginal health and wellness group uh, that's that's here today uh, for ceremonies uh, as a place to get out of the city. Um, so th- that's that's kind of the the thumbnail sketch of of some of what happens here. And that's one thing I kind of wanted to to get into is that uh, cross cultural learning. Uh, your website specifies it's you know cross cultural learning between Indigenous and Christian spiritual beliefs. Do you maybe want to touch on why you think it's important to facilitate uh, that kind of that kind of cross cultural learning? Well, I mean, like my story. Uh, here really begins with a cross-cultural learning event. Um, I uh, I moved out to the area just about a decade ago um, and have been a, a market gardener uh, living just a few twists of the Broken Head River upstream from here. Um, and a couple of years ago, uh, some people from our farm and this place, we got together and we, we created a kind of uh, a one-week festival where you know, indigenous food sovereignty movement meets kind of homesteader DIY uh, movement uh, on the land uh, together. And, and um, that was just a really special time of, of coming alongside each other and kind of comparing notes. And um, I think all of us, uh, I mean, certainly in those movements, uh, you know, a lot of us are, are asking some questions, I think, about you know, how life works for us in the dominant mainstream cultural uh, system that we're all, you know, swimming around in. Um, and, uh, and Sandy Soto is a place where, uh, you know, because of its, its rooting in indigenous tradition, um, you know, there's, there's already a, a basis here for, for connecting with, with something that is, you know, has other ways of looking at life. Um, and, uh, and I think there's for, you know, for f- folks that are looking for another way of, of looking at life, um, those kind of meeting places are important. Um, but I'm just speaking for myself. Uh, I think it's also important for me to, in terms of doing like cross-cultural relationship, you know, I still am who I am. I come from the tribe of the Mennonites Um uh, that's all part of my story, and so you know, I'm not, I'm not here as someone who is trying to ditch my own ancestors, say in in and and take someone else's as my uh, as my reference point, uh, but to really, really be an authentic relationship as as the person I am with the people who are the original people here, and uh, and see what kind of connections we we can make. Uh, in a place of of sacred land, kind of away from some of the hustle and bustle, and also from from some of the uh, the dominance of uh, you know the mainstream culture and its its economy. I, I like the the remote and rural location that the center exists, and I I imagine that uh, provides quite the ambiance and environment for the programs facilitated there. And, and and that might be a good place to jump into the reconciliation project that you are project coordinate, coordinator on, uh, culturally oriented land-based retreats for parents working to reunite with their children. Let's get into that. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So there's 
There's been a conversation going on here for some time now about just the devastating reality of child apprehensions in Indigenous community. There are In Manitoba, there are around 11,000 kids in care, and about 9,000 of those kids are Indigenous. I mean, what that means and looks like is, is there's, there's more children uh, every year being taken out of Indigenous homes today than when the Indian residential school system was was running full bore. And so folks here uh, have been holding that that pain and wanting to have some conversations about different ways of doing support and uh, and healing with with families that are having trouble. And so there's we've we've held a number of gatherings here on the land with elders and uh, leaders working inside and and on the edges of the, the child welfare system. Uh, mo- mostly, mostly indigenous folks from MKO, from uh, Mamawi, um, and uh, as well as like landscape architects and, and people to help us imagine a, you know a new facility for this kind of work. And um, and so there was in October of 2017 or November of 2017, uh, after that first festival that I was telling you about, the keeper of the the circle here, Adrian Jacobs, who's uh, he doesn't like me to call him my boss, but in <laughs> in the in the parlance of the dominant system, that's that's how I that's that's what it means that he's the keeper of the the circle here. Uh, um, anyway, he he and uh, and Stan McKay, uh, uh, who's kind of a founding elder here, they had both been part of that that retreat on the land that I was telling you about, and. And they had this sense of, you know, if we do this kind of family work, that kind of time on the land uh, should really be part of the, the healing work and, and a way of uh, celebrating uh, the, the work uh, together. That came together with direction from Dr. Jeffrey Anslus, who's um, he's a descendant. His, his mom was, uh, is a survivor of the 60s scoop. She's originally from Fisher River. Uh, he's now... Uh, uh, has a, a research position at uh, at OIC at the University of Toronto in uh, Indigenous mental health. Um, he's been kind of you know, from the beginning. He was our trauma informed health professional that was kind of guiding the project. And he said, "You like before you build a big something or other, you should run a, a pilot project." Um, and so last summer we uh, we had five Indigenous women uh, uh, here on the land with us for for two weeks. Um, four of them CFS involved, uh, and uh, and one of them a, a two spirit woman who uh, uh, was here for for her own uh, time of, uh, of of restoration um, with us. Yeah, and that was a that was a really powerful experience, and uh, for for them and for us. And so, uh, Mama, we was interested in in doing that uh, kind of collaboration uh, with us again in terms of referring. Uh, CFS involved parents uh, to us this year, and uh, and the Winnipeg Foundation was uh, generous enough to to provide us with funding out of the reconciliation grant. That's you know, the bulk of of the budget for running these retreats this year. It's a fantastic project, uh, and it's fantastic work you're doing over there. If listeners want to learn more about the retreats or learn more about uh, Sandy Soto uh, in general. Where should they go and what should they do? Well, certainly in terms of learning about Sandy Soto in general, um, there's our website, sandysoto.ca. Uh, we also have a Facebook page. 
San Soto Spiritual Center. So those would be places uh, that that folks could look. In terms of learning about this, the the project itself, Mamuichi Itata is uh, is managing most of the referrals for us. So if uh, um, if folks you know know someone or are themselves someone who uh, you know would f- uh, be someone who's involved with CFS and is is working towards uh, rebuilding their family and restoring their their sense of themselves as indigenous persons and uh, you know grounded in the in the seven sacred teachings and and uh, um, you know a spiritual and a cultural identity that that knows how to uh, to hold children in a in a in a good way in a healthy way and would like to spend some time with us uh, it's it's possible that there there might be uh, some referrals uh, yet. Uh, through through Mama We for some spaces. I, I we're looking pretty full in terms of the the retreats. So, um, but but there there might be some openings uh, down the road. I'm I don't know. Thank you so much for talking to me today, Marcus. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks again very much. Miigwech. Thanks, Jeremy. Up next, the Because Radio road trip is going just a little bit west from Winkler to Morden, Manitoba, where we visited the Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame to learn more about Manitoba's baseball history. Welcome to the Because Radio Road Trip. Today, we're visiting the Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame in Morden, Manitoba. Let's go. So we're here at the Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm here with the museum's administrative manager, Joe Wichar. Joe, thank you so much for uh, taking us on a tour today. Well, it's my pleasure. I hope I could add something insight for you guys. You know, there's a lot of stuff here. Tell us a little bit about the museum and how it got started, and specifically, what makes Morden the ideal location for a museum celebrating baseball in the province? Sure. It started off, it was going to be in Nipua, in the basement of a medical center, only open a couple months a year, and we would have had to pay rent and all that stuff. One of our guys that was on the board came back here and says, why can't we have it? So we said, hey, that's a good idea. We went and talked to the the town. We went and talked to the mayor. He was all in in favor of that. So yeah, let's have it here. So that's how it came about to be here. There's a museum downstairs. Oh, the fossil. Fossil museum. So we're running on their back, right? So when they get visitors, a lot of people come here. And it's an ideal spot. This place, they gave it, the town gave it to us. There's no rent. We don't pay utilities. And baseball, Morton is a hotbed of baseball in southern Manitoba. Give us a sense of all the different things you can find here. There's, you know, just from our little walk around, there's trophies, there's jerseys, crests, and all kinds of things, all kinds of artifacts related to baseball in Manitoba. Tell us about what people can expect when they come to the museum. Certainly. Uh, For example, there's a lot of history in here. And you could walk and spend a couple hours in here. There's pictures going back like we just showed 1920. I got a picture from 1906. I got a baseball that's from 1896. 
when they were laying a cornerstone of the first hospital in basically Manitoba, rural Manitoba for sure. There's pictures in here. There's crests that people have won. There's uh, jerseys, of all kind of jerseys and jackets from people that have worn them. Uh, so there's just tremendous amount of history. There, the inductions is always the first week in June. Uh, the inductee pictures, the individuals are all on the wall. None of them are taken down. The same thing with the indiv- with the team pictures. They're all on the wall. So we're running out of space, but we're finding different ways of, of exhibiting them all. And one of the things, maybe we'll walk on over to it here. One of the things that really stood out to me was the different uniforms that were worn all throughout the century and uh, the museum's even home to a particular uniform that dates back to the 1900s tell us a little bit about you know how that the differences between uh, what we're seeing here in a modern baseball uniform yeah that one's actually from 1900 and as you can see it is very hot it's going to be very hot as you go back from through the centuries most of them were made out of wool. So again, they're hot and itchy. And then as you get closer down into the 1990s, the new uniforms, the new styles are coming out. Uh, cooler, uh, more pants are, are more streamlined. And those old ones, those flannel pants and everything, and they were, the wind was blowing on them. Those pants were like 12 inches wide or 14 inches wide. The wind blows, I'm sure you would get blown away with those pants. Can't imagine with a Manitoba, you know, in a typical Manitoba summer wearing something like that and being active on top of it. They were, they were hot. They were hot for sure. Besides those uniforms, we had a team that was not well off. It was a Winnipeg team. The mother of this guy made the jerseys for the whole team out of flower sacks. All the teams weren't all that well off. They, some of them had to improvise. And so it covers really every league from professional to, professional to amateur. The museum's focus is really to gather the history of, of all baseball in Manitoba. For sure. We have teams here. We have professional players here. We have kids called in a little league 12 and under. Their pictures are in the wall, stuff like that. You were telling us a story earlier about one of the museum's, uh, one of the Hall of Fame's inductees who, uh, at the age of seven, had received a, uh, a court summons for playing baseball in the street. Tell us a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, we, somebody, somebody gave me that summons, and it was uh, going back from 1906 for unlawfully playing baseball in the streets of Naples. So when I looked up the name of the person, I started looking, I said, that that sounds familiar, and I found out that he was in, he was in one of our inductees. But he was seven years old when he got that. It was kind of funny. And the museum has an exhibit honoring the Manitoba women who played for the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Let's walk on over to the display and talk about the Manitobans who played in the league. Well, the salary for that time to play baseball was was not bad, you know, especially for women. So they played and they, they had, a, as the movie said, they had a chaperone and there was a lot of etiquette and uh, the league lasted for about five years and there was about 12 or 14 ladies from Manitoba that played in that league. That's pretty significant considering, I would imagine, they're drawing players from all across North America, but that's quite a few from Manitoba yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, little rural towns and how they found them, I don't know how they recruited them, but uh, yeah, it was quite significant. 
Another thing that really strikes you as you walk into the museum is, you know, a lot of the design elements of the museum itself. You pointed out the mural to us earlier and uh, even going up to just above us here, the wooden bat and ball design. Tell us a little bit about some of those, some of those design elements and how that really brings this place, you know, brings everything together. Sure. When we started, the idea was that we were going to have four little cases and I'm saying that's not enough. So I start talking to people and I got an interior decorator in here and she came up with some ideas and I said, okay, some of it was cost prohibitive, some we implemented. Then I start thinking, I said, well, let's get some more display cases in here. I got a manufacturer to do this. He came up with these display cases. And then to top it all off, he put a, a massive bat that's gotta be 20, 30 feet long and a figure of a ball up there. So as you walk into the place, that's that should catch your eye right away, you know? So of the, uh, you know, there's so many inductees to the museum and so many people who've made a lot of contributions to baseball overall in the province who might be one or two of perhaps the most well-known inductees in the hall of fame well major leaguers uh cory koski is in here there was a guy named ian Lowe, very good ball player i uh, didn't play a little bit pr- professional but not in the major leagues there's several umpires in here that have umpired at the olympics Criteria to be inducted in, into the hall is that you have to be born in Manitoba or played ball at Manitoba in six, for six years. The guy that started all this, the idea was, his name was Gladwin Scott. He was a superintendent. He lives in Carberry now, but he's in the Manitoba Hall of Fame, our, our own Hall of Fame. He's in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. He's in the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. He, was, he had the idea said why don't we have our own hall of fame so at the start all the hall of fames in manitoba were in one place we were at the forks and then they moved to the bay and slowly one by one kind of went their own ways we found this place here and it was ideal all right and uh, if any of our listeners would like to come down and check out the museum for themselves where can they find you and what's the best way to uh, to get in contact to learn more one portion of the museum is open 12 hours a day. The other portion, because of some valuable stuff in there, if they phoned us, I, I would make arrangements to open the museum and come down and whatever. Two ways. Our phone number is 204-822-4636, or we're on a website. We have a good, pretty good website. It's uh, mbhof.ca. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for the wonderful tour and uh, for speaking with me today about the Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame. Thanks for joining us on the Because Radio Road Trip. We'll see you next week. Same time, different place. Thanks, Robert. Up next, I've been highlighting impact makers in our community as part of our Winnipeg Impact Makers segment. This week, we'll learn about how We Heart Winnipeg promotes local. Welcome back to Because Radio. I'm Sonny Pomolo. 
As you all know, Manitoba is home to some of the most giving people in the country. To share those stories, I'm going around the city to speak with impact makers in Winnipeg. This week, I'm with Ryan Bowman, founder of We Heart Winnipeg, an organization focused on sharing all that is good about Winnipeg. Before we get started on We Heart Winnipeg, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I was born and raised here in Winnipeg. Had a pretty typical upbringing, I think. Ended up going to Waterloo for university. And then, like most Winnipeggers, I ended up moving back here. It was a bit of a journey, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm glad to be back. And I think it was meant to be. It's funny. I find that a lot of people that do move away end up coming back, like you said. So what was it that brought you back to Winnipeg? I think a little bit of luck the job I ended up landing was coincidentally back here in Winnipeg. That said, I think I probably would have ended up back here anyway, just based on family, friends, the whole nostalgia of it, just really missing home. Can you give me the Coles notes of what We Heart Winnipeg is? Sounds like a simple question, but it's really not because it's evolved so much from what it originally was. I do have a background in marketing, as does my wife. So it really started as kind of a passion project for us to use that knowledge, expertise, and interest in, in marketing and, and PR, uh, basically just talking about the city. Because, uh, as I mentioned, I had come back from Ontario, which is actually where I met my wife. And coming back here with her was almost like seeing the city through a new set of eyes, because all the things I had taken for granted growing up and all the new things that had come while I was gone just gave me a total new appreciation for the city. Kind of a general interest blog to start with. From there, we kind of started talking to small businesses, seeing what they needed, what we could do to help. And so that kind of led to the creation of our discount card, which is basically a card that has a flat fee, $10, never expires, and it gives you pretty cool deals at places around the city, from pizza to donuts to coffee, things like that. It's really not even about the discounts. It's more just a way to get people through the door, let people know that they exist. A lot of these local businesses, the success speaks for itself, but it's a good way to get the word out there. What is your because? Why did you see the need to create an organization that highlights the best of the best of Winnipeg? I think it was a mixture of two things. One being all the negative news out there. I mean, I come from a journalism background as well, and, you know, the bleed it leads kind of philosophy with, with local news and current news. So we kind of wanted to flip the script on that a little bit, not only for locals, but for people who are researching Winnipeg or visiting Winnipeg for the first time. We don't want it all to be the bad things that we talked about. And then combine that with with all the great things there are here. There is a lot to celebrate, the events, the food scene, just the amazing people here, which most people you ask, what's your favorite thing about Winnipeg? It comes down to the people here. So Absolutely. Yeah, it was just finding a way to kind of combine good news and celebrating Winnipeg. We like to share news about events, new restaurants opening. Uh, we recently started a clothing collection that kind of celebrates the best of Winnipeg. It's just a, a kind of a little way to show the pride in where you live. It's really just helping people see things a little differently, almost like my wife made me see it differently when I came back here a few years ago. You're wearing a whiteout city shirt from your line, which looks awesome, by the way. Thank you. Doing what you do, you probably have a great idea of the trends in our city. Uh, do you think that Winnipeg pride has improved over the last few years? Yeah, I think... I'm, I think you probably went to Pig Pride in general, but even just things like the Pride Parade, which happened very recently, 
I think that's a perfect analogy for, for how far the city has come in a lot of those ways. It's just being, I, I see it as being a lot more inclusive for sure. Um, there's still some issues around tolerance for sure, but I think that's any city. And I think in general, things like food, arts, craft markets, things like that, I've, I think there's just a lot more for people to take pride in now. What are some of your favorite hidden gems in this city? Without being too biased for some of our partner businesses, but uh, to be honest, a lot of those businesses we did approach because we personally like them. We don't want to attach our names to businesses we don't believe in or that we don't go to ourselves. So places we do mention on the card, I mean, Fools and Horses is probably my favorite coffee shop. A few hidden gems like Diana's Pizza out in St. Patel is great. Food trucks are huge. A lot of the food yes. trucks have supported us and, and been a part of the card, which and that scene is just growing so much, which is cool to see. I think a lot of it is really just getting out of the community. If there's a new restaurant opening or if there's a festival or, or market happening, we ourselves do go and attend and try to talk to people. And we really try to tell the stories behind the brands, which I think is really important when it comes to supporting local because you're not supporting the brand or the title or the president you're supporting the actual owner who will oftentimes be the cashier or the baker or the barista or what have you absolutely so again a little bit more about your website we'll talk about those different um, categories there so experience celebrate discover support and shop what can people expect to see when they click on each one so going from left to right here um at least on desktop, you'll see Experience Local is really kind of an event guide, so it's how to experience your city. Celebrate Local is kind of the good news that we want to share, so it's good news stories. Um, and I should mention, too, that a lot of this stuff, while we do try to source as much as we can, we're more than happy if people pitch us ideas, you want to tell us about something happening, you want to tell us about your neighbor who did something really cool, let us know and we'll do our best to, to cover it. Discover Local is really like we were talking about how to find those hidden gems. So we do a little profile on all our partner businesses as well and that's just really a way to discover the hidden gems in our city. Support Local is really just a tab to, to check out our card, the discount card and learn a little bit more about that. And then Shop Local is the most recent venture which as I mentioned is uh, our new clothing collection. What can we do to encourage local, a.k.a. the love of Winnipeg? Hmm, that's a good question. I think a lot of it is perspective. And I think if you want to see the negative, you're going to see the negative. And if you choose to focus on the positive, there's a lot of things that you're going to find and discover. And it's going to come from <clears throat> going to the events, trying new restaurants, going to these places, meeting new people actually talking to the makers at these markets, things like that. Yeah, in order to support the community, you have to be in it, essentially. Yeah, right? well put. Yeah. One way that we can encourage local is through your We Heart Winnipeg card. A lot of it is exclusive discounts. So like I mentioned, it's not all about saving money. It's really just, I guess, a little extra incentive to go check these places out. So a place like Fools and Horses, you're going to save a little bit on a cup of coffee. Uh, as I mentioned, Diana's earlier, you're going to get $5 off of a pizza, whether it be in the restaurant or take home. We have uh, 
Chocolatier Constant Pop, great place on Provence. Yeah, and and I mentioned a lot of the food trucks as well. They'll usually throw you know a dollar, two dollars off their daily special. That's and again, so awesome. it's really just a way, it's more a thank you than to actually give the discount for a lot of these businesses. That's so awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your clothing line. What kind of gave you the idea to have the clothing line? Yeah, I mean, without being too cliche, it really is just a way to wear your heart on your sleeve. It's a good way for people to show support in an actual tangible way. So it started with really just cold calling a few local artists because it was really important to obviously keep this as local as possible. So we found a few artists who kind of shared our mission and wanted to work with us, and it kind of snowballed from there. So it started with one design, and I think we're up to about three or four with a few more dropping this summer. Mm. And each design is from a different artist, and, and we'll give 10% of all sales to a different charity as well. That's so awesome. Yeah, not only do you have just the whiteout stuff, you have Winnipeg-based things, so... We don't need to have a playoffs to wear the, this clothing, so definitely check exactly. that out. Yeah, and we have, uh, I should mention too, we have a really cool uh, Treaty 1 collection coming out because oh, really? we're very, you know, very into our roots and, and where we come from. Absolutely. My wife being Indigenous herself, it's really important to us to to remember those roots and also show that, that side of Winnipeg off as well. That's so awesome. We'll definitely be keeping an eye out for that one for sure. So for those looking to learn more about the card, We Heart Winnipeg, find amazing stories, get a shirt or sweater, where can they go? You can go to either weheartwinnipeg.ca or weheartwinnipeg.shop online. And we're on all the social media platforms at weheartwpg. Well, thank you, Ryan. And thank you to Jessica, your partner from We Heart Winnipeg for creating an impact. If you or anyone you know is making an impact in our city, message us on social media by searching the Winnipeg Foundation at WPGFDN or you can also email us at becauseradio at WPGFDN.org or reach out and call us at 204-944-9474 extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474 extension 360. We'd love to hear about it. This is Sunny Promolo and you're listening to Because Radio. Thanks, Sonny. Coming up next, Nolan Bicknell will join us to share a preview of the latest episode of Because and Effect, the season finale with Mark Chipman, the chairman of True North Sports and Entertainment. Welcome back to Because Radio. Robert Zirk here with you today, and I am now joined in studio by Nolan Bicknell. He is the host of Because and Effect, the Winnipeg Foundation's weekly podcast with new episodes every Tuesday. Nolan, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, good to see you again. How's it going? Not too bad. How are you? I'm great. I mean, you said that the podcast is weekly, but I've got to let you know that we just had the season finale, so it won't be weekly moving forward, but there is 12 episodes that you can catch up on if you haven't listened to them yet. Absolutely. So with season one now in the books, what is your take on how the entire season has gone? Uh, the whole season was good. It was, I feel like, I mean, you work in radio as well. We, we both have the opportunity to talk to some pretty incredible people almost every day uh, through our work at the Winnipeg Foundation, and it's uh, it just kind of inspires me to do more in my life and try to live in a, in service of helping others when you talk to so many people who either make it their life's work dedicated to making Winnipeg better or if they just you know 
support a certain cause or whatever it may be. So I, I feel very fortunate. I'm very um, happy that I get to do this. And I'm really proud of the first season of the show. I think it turned out really well. And we've told a lot of great stories and talked to a lot of interesting people. Absolutely. Um, inspirational is the first word that comes to mind when I think about... 100%. When I think about what the show means, listening back to it. Um, today's season finale, or the season finale episode that we're going to be talking about today, is with Mark Chipman from True North Sports and Entertainment and the Winnipeg Jets. How was the conversation with Mark? It was good. It was. I, I was kind of fanboying a little bit because I've been a lifelong hockey fan, so big Jets fan over the years, and I... It was cool to just talk hockey straight from the man himself who was instrumental in kind of putting the team together and getting them to where they are today. It was cool to hear his reflections on the most recent season. Uh, obviously, they came up a little bit short, but and their plans for the future. It's a young team. It's a exciting team. So it was cool to kind of hear his insights about what they've got planned in the future and uh, and, you know, a little bit of reflection on the season that came up a little bit short, but it was still cool. And I mean, we didn't just talk about hockey. We talked about the True North Youth Foundation, their work. Um, they have three main projects with, or sort of programs, which is Camp Manitou, Project 11, and the Winnipeg Jets Hop Hockey Academy. And uh, yeah, we did start talking about the Jets as I, I'm kind of focusing on. Um, but he shared some wisdom about sort of how hard it is to make the playoffs every year and year out. And he shared some wisdom from another NHL legend, which I, I wanted to share with you today. It was a piece of advice that uh, Daryl Sutter gave me a long time ago. And he said, you know, the hardest thing about this business is getting in the playoffs. Uh, 82 game schedule is really, really tough. It's a grind. And, um, and so, you know, we've, we've gotten in um, the last couple of years and I, I would have every expectation we will again next year. Long story short, disappointed but not disheartened, uh, you know, feel really good about the direction we're going. Because in Effect is, of course, a podcast about the causes that people care about, not just about mm -hmm, hockey, yeah. but uh, I wanted to, uh, to know what causes did Mark talk about um, that True North uh, has been focusing mm -hmm. on through its foundation? Yeah, there's tons. I mean, the Jets organization is a, a big organization, and they talked a lot about sort of multiplying the voices of the team, of the players, and and anyone within the organization who wants to make a difference. We didn't talk just hockey the entire time. We talked about, you know, how they when the Jets throw their weight behind a cause, it can really affect a positive change. There's a wide range of causes that we support through any number of ways. You know, we we have this unique ability to bring awareness to things. So. You know, we, we do a bunch of work with Cancer Care Manitoba and, uh, and, and can be a bit of a, f a force multiplier there and just in bringing awareness. Mental health for above and beyond what we do. You know, we, we're partnered with Bell so we can piggyback on the work that they do and so forth. We do a lot of work in supporting um, uh, the military and their various causes, um, which mm -hmm. are very congruent with, with the things that we do. So, it, it you know, we're, we kind of spray the infield in a lot of respects but we're very very we're, we're very concentrated in in other areas sure. i always like hearing uh about how people got their where people got their philanthropic nature mm -hmm. from and uh and how that originated um was that something that you asked mark i like to talk yeah i mean it's it's interesting hearing stories from people whoever they are, wherever they come from about sort of how they were brought up to, to give back or if they were at all. And, and Mark talked 
he credited his parents for a lot of it, obviously. His dad came from nothing and kind of as soon as he started having a little bit of success in the business world, that's when he started to give back as well. It, it all kind of emanates from the example that my uh, my parents established and, and in particular my dad, when you talk about the connection between philanthropy and business, uh, he was, in my view, uh, really unique, uh, really, really took the the responsibility very seriously. He's a was an extraordinary guy who started, you know, he was that quintessential, you know, start from nothing kind of guy. And uh, and but as soon as he started to have the the least bit of success, you know, he he had a very deliberate plan to um, to share his mm-hmm. success. And so he set a great example for my brothers and my sister and I. We talked a little bit about the True North Youth Foundation earlier. Tell us a little bit more about the foundation and and specifically its activities and what it does. Yeah, sure. Um, So the True North Youth Foundation was started back in 1996. Uh, Mark and his wife, Patty, have been very involved since its inception. And as I mentioned, there's three sort of main programming areas, Project 11, Camp Manitou, and the Winnipeg Jets Hockey Academy. And they all kind of fall under the same umbrella of really wanting to get kids, specifically middle years, so like grade five to eight, to foster a connection with school and with education and and keeping kids attendance high and enjoying their time at school. And they also focus on mental and physical well-being while they're in school. So Mark explained kind of it's, it's a three-pronged attack and how the Hockey Academy first, how the model came to be and why it works. The benefit is really, there's a way to create a closer connection with their schools. So you offer the mm-hmm. program through school. Um, if you want to go, you want to be a part of the hockey program, you got to go to school that day or else you can't get on the bus and go play hockey. We started off very modestly, 25 kids. Um, out of Shaughnessy Park. It's now, I think this year, we're 860 kids across three school divisions. Again, the emphasis is not to create hockey players. It was to give kids a healthy experience, see their educators outside of school, which can be a, a very valuable tool in and of itself, and, and, draw, and, and create a closer connection between their school and the activity and with the idea of driving attendance rates. So it sounds like a lot of these projects that are under the umbrella of the True North Youth Foundation have, um, you know, really focus on improving, um, you know, the wellness of, of youth in the community. Absolutely. Yeah. Camp Manitou, as I mentioned, after, you know, Mark said basically after the uh, hockey academy's over and school's done, then what do kids do, right? So when kids are on, you know, their summer vacation, it's important to keep engagement with learning and engagement with education high when you're away from school. So Camp Manitou is a focus on summertime learning and engagement with kids during that time away. And they focus on healthy mental and physical well-being after the hockey season's over. And and we've been to Camp Manitou. It's awesome there. There's a lot of really cool stuff. There's a zip line and a climbing wall and a whole bunch of really great um, state-of-the-art stuff there, which is really cool. 
Um, Project 11, if people are unaware, was launched after Rick Rippon, who was a former Manitoba Moose player, uh, lost his life to suicide back in 2011. Rick played for the Vancouver Canucks in the NHL, uh, the Manitoba Moose in the AHL, and it was just generally a beloved beloved young man uh, who obviously lost his life far too early and struggled with mental health issues his entire life. Um, So after Rick's death, Mark and the True North Youth Foundation found a way to honor Rick's work and, and his desire to help kids to really reduce the stigma of mental health issues uh, all around the city. We didn't want to do something that was temporary. We wanted to do something that really respected Rick's life. And so we came up with this idea of creating some resources for teachers to uh, teach the subject, again, at middle school, um, because the research we did suggested that, you know, it was at that age that kids had the cognitive ability to start to understand not only the way they might be feeling and how to deal with those feelings, but to spot it in other kids, Mm -hmm. which is really important. And to be, to be a support system for peers. Some amazing work that's being done by the true North youth foundation, helping kids in so many ways. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it's all about. If you can help kids kind of get the tools to help themselves and to, and to recognize issues, whether it be mental or physical, um, mental health issues with their friends and their peers, like that's unbelievably huge. We didn't have that when we were growing up. Right. So it's really cool that they're trying to equip these kids with the ability to take care of themselves and to take care of their friends and to really just smash the stigma that, that mental health has had for so long. For sure. And that's how leaders are made. Well said. I couldn't agree more. So if our listeners want to learn more about the True North Youth Foundation, where can they go to get more info? Uh, Their website is awesome. If you go to truenorthyouthfoundation.com, there's some great stories, some great videos, and some great testimonials about everything that they do from the Camp Manitou to Project 11 to the Winnipeg Jets Hockey Academy. And there were some great stories that Mark told on the podcast. We can't get to everything Mm -hmm. that you talked about today, so we'll leave that for the uh, for the podcast but there was so much good stuff in there i think people are really going to enjoy listening i think so too and it's not just that episode right like there's 11 other episodes that if hockey or you know the true north uh, youth foundation isn't necessarily something you're interested in there's 11 different episodes ranging from the arts to education to uh, environment anything you really care about or any cause that you're passionate about we tried to cover it in the podcast so if you go to uh, becauseandeffect.org you can listen to any of the episodes there and uh, yeah thank you for the support absolutely and with this now being the finale for season one what's next for you and what's next for because and effect well season two is already in production we've got a couple episodes already recorded and i'm sort of currently booking guests for season two we're looking to just to just talk to anyone that's interesting in Winnipeg. If they care about a cause and and they, they're really passionate about it, we want to hear from them. So if you have anyone that you'd like to hear on the podcast, uh, you could call the uh, Winnipeg Foundation and request somebody. We will take all requests into consideration for season two. Uh, our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. And just let us know if you have a story or someone who uh, would be great for the radio or for the podcast. We're always looking to talk to great new people that are making a difference in Winnipeg. And when can we expect to hear season two of Because and Effect? Season two launching in September, so stay tuned for that. But uh, go to becauseandeffect.org for all the latest episodes. And you can subscribe, so as soon as it the new episode comes out, it'll come straight to your phone. 
Fantastic. So again, becauseandeffect.org is where to find all 12 episodes of Because and Effect Season 1. They are well worth a listen, so be sure to, uh, if you haven't had a chance to hear it yet, uh, be sure to go to becauseandeffect.org and uh, and subscribe, and uh, then you'll be right in the loop for when new episodes come out in Season 2. Nolan Bicknell is the host of Because and Effect, the Winnipeg Foundation's podcast, which uh, just wrapped up its season finale with Mark Chipman. Again, to find the episode, you can visit becauseandeffect.org or subscribe through any podcast player that you use, Spotify, Apple. Uh, you can find it pretty much wherever. Nolan, thank you again so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Have a great day. That's a wrap for today's episode of Because Radio. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you to all of our guests who joined us today. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. Our Because Radio theme music, Call of the North, was written and performed by Micah Ehrenberg. You can find more of his music at micaehrenberg.com. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org. Again, that's becauseradio.org. And if you have any feedback about today's show, ideas for stories, or Winnipeg Impact Makers, please give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360, or you can email us at becauseradio at wpgfdn.org. And you can also follow the Winnipeg Foundation on social media at WPGFDN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Robert Zirk, signing off for Because Radio. And I'm Sunny Promolo. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great weekend.